The excitement is building for the return of ACL Radio's Blues on the Green this year. Mark your calendar for two nights of music, food, and fun, Tuesday, June 11th and Wednesday, June 12th. We want to thank all of our sponsors, specifically Circuit of the Americas, for helping to keep ACL Radio's Blues on the Green free and open to the public in Zilker Park. Blues on the Green is an Austin tradition, and we look forward to seeing you again this summer. ESPN Studios in Austin, Texas. This is the Jeff Ward Show. Hey, welcome to our little show. Here's the way it works. I riff on stuff and you respond. Pretty straightforward. The phone numbers, you'll need them. 512-834-1027. That's 512-834-1027. On Twitter or X or whatever we're going to call it this week, I'm at Jeff Ward Show. Get to the point. Please don't suck. Make the show better. If you post your comments, that's at Jeff Ward Show. Uh, check out the podcast we drop each afternoon. Subscribe to it. Just finished a conversation with the award-winning Tony Pletsky about the possibility of charges coming out of Uvalde for the cops that did nothing. Two reports now, of course, saying the cops, more than 200 cops at the scene of the school shooting, did nothing. At best, it was incompetent. Now the question is, was it incompetent to the point of being criminal. I think a lot of us would say this is uh, a healthy process now. So check that conversation. It's disturbing. It hurts. But I think it's kind of one of those things where you, we, we all have to, we all have skin in the game here. I, I think you need to listen. Uh, check it out. It's on any podcast platform you, uh, you're you on. And uh, make sure you check out the YouTube show as well. We drop the Jeff Ward show YouTube on YouTube every afternoon. Well, it's probably a pretty good time, given the fact that it was an interesting weekend, to say the least, of football and politics. But I like to do this thing called overreaction versus reality, and that is, you know, what's all wrong and how we react, what's all wrong and what we may have said, what's all wrong in the way we've looked at it. And then, of course, there's the reality. So, easy starting point. Overreaction. Yes, I'll raise my hand. I guess I got it all wrong. Overreaction. Taylor Swift, Yoko Swifto, is what I've called her, is going to ruin Travis Kelsey. Has ruined, what am I saying? Has ruined Travis Kelsey. He's getting soft. I believe last Friday, Thursday or Friday, I said he was getting chubby and slow. That she's ruined him so much, he would be a non-factor for the Kansas City Chiefs. Reality. He looked 25 years old. He wasn't soft. He wasn't fat. He wasn't slow. It was his best game of the year. (laughs) So um, whether she's there or not, I don't really care. It was Travis Kelsey's best game of the year. It was the best game of the year when he had to have his best game of the year. He had five catches for 75 yards and two touchdowns. He was targeted six times. He had a long reception of 29 yards. He was the best receiver on the field. Again, just when, like the Chiefs, just when you're ready to say, you know, it looks like it's over, just when you're ready to say, oh, I don't know, he's soft and slow, the guy turns around and owns the game. 
He and his ridiculous quarterback were the best players against the Bills. The Bills had no match. <sighs> Just when he said, and a lot of his question, Travis Kelsey, oh, he's going to come back next year. Why would he come back next year? Forget, forget Taylor Swift. You're just, you know, buddy, you played a long time. You're going to be a first battle Hall of Famer. You're one of the best ever to play the position. You don't need this. And then he shows up and absolutely goes off. That was reality. He was the best receiver on the field. And the other part of it is with the Chiefs, all the stuff, like this is when you know you've got championship pedigree. This is when you know your resume and experience is just better than everyone else. That team that had all those drops all season long, the team that was sketchy at all on offense, the team that for most people picked to lose in Buffalo, they didn't drop anything. Travis Kelsey went off and no one else dropped a pass. Overreaction. NFL kickers are worse than ever. Two games were decided on misses. If you ask their fan bases, I imagine their overreaction is going to be, man, kicking is terrible. I can't believe it's fallen this far. There were two huge misses. Two games were decided by misses. Makeable field goals that were missed, and it cost Green Bay an upset over San Francisco, and it cost, although we could debate this, but it cost Buffalo a chance at overtime, although I might debate. It would have given, it would have tied the score, and Patrick Mahomes would have the ball back with a minute 49. I think we know how that usually ends, but either way, huge misses. So they're worse than ever. How can that happen? Reality. No, statistically, they're better than ever. The two guys with the biggest misses were 83% for Tyler Bass, who kicks for Buffalo. He missed wide right with, what, a minute 48 or minute 49 left in the game. And then Anders Carlson of Green Bay was 82% on the year. So, no, these guys and everybody else in the league is better than ever before. Somebody asked me, I said, they've got at least, across the board, they're at least 10 to 15 percentage points better than guys were 20 years ago. Here's the issue. And I don't know what the answer is in Green Bay. I don't know what the answer, I kind of know the answer in San Francisco. Playing outside in bad conditions. That's That's what it was. That's what it was. And they weren't, those weren't, Those weren't mistakes, necessarily. Those were bad luck. Tyler Bass, his kick was blown at least six yards wide. No, it started inside the upright and was blown at least five to six yards out. Huge crosswind. It's blown out. Now, I mean, there's all sorts of, I could could bore you with nerdy stuff about, you know, where you would have to line, but you can't, you never hit a kick that would go outside the uprights if it held a straight line. You can't. So he hits it square in the middle and it blows outside the uprights because the wind is blowing like crazy. In San Francisco, it's raining like crazy. Now you're going to say, well, that's the stuff these guys have got to play with. I'm just telling you that this late in the year... Those are two huge misses that were most like, mostly caused by the weather. Those kicks are made in September and October. Probably made in November, too. You got guys playing indoors that put up better numbers. You got guys playing indoors that don't, make, don't have those misses. 
I, I'm surprised in Buffalo they play outside, but and that's what costs you. Playing outside this time of year in those conditions is a huge risk. Those misses put the greatness, by the way, of Justin Tucker in in perspective. He's the greatest at that position to play the game and his entire career, including a long, long playoff career in terrible weather, has all been outside. He's not been playing in a dome at all. A lot of his success has been in January when the conditions are their worst. But that's, that's the issue, and it costs you in both games. Overreaction. Ron DeSantis will knock off Donald Trump. I predicted he would chew him up, I think were my exact words about a year and a half ago. I predicted he would be relentless and eat Trump alive. Reality. Trump never debated him and never needed to because Ron DeSantis became Ted Cruz 2.0. Wait, what? Yeah. The greatest, here's the thing. This is, what, this is why I say Ron DeSantis became Ted Cruz 2.0. The greatest Trump selling point is that he's authentic. He's, I would think he's an authentic mess and he's a train wreck as a human being, but he's authentic. The biggest knock on DeSantis is he's a stiff and a sellout. He flamed out in a Ted Cruz kind of way. People just don't like him. That's it. Oh, but policies. Shut up about policies. There's nothing about policy anymore. He became Ted Cruz 2.0, and he flamed out because people don't like him. Overreaction. The Texans are really close and will be AFC champions next year. At halftime of Baltimore v. Houston, it was really easy to say, look how far, I mean, look at this team now. There's no stopping them. They're playing with house money, really deep house money, deep pockets of house money. No, 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 no. Reality. They're good. They're good. The turnaround is amazing. They've obviously got one of the best quarterbacks in the AFC. Not just saying best young quarterbacks in the AFC. In a time of the best quarterbacks play, quarterback play we've ever seen, the Texans have one of the best in the entire league. No doubt about that. They've got a dynamic defense. No doubt about that. They've got a dynamic coach. Got it. He gets it. But Baltimore is better at every spot, and they're going to be better at the, every spot for the next year or so. That's just the way it is. There is a separation there. The Texans are a few players away. They've got the elements. Remember, in the NFL, you win with a, with a certain with a few certain elements. You have to have obviously the quarterback play. You have to have a go to receiver. You have to have a great tackle. You have to have a rush end, and you have to have at least a lockdown corner. You have to have those five things to have any success at all. They're close. They're close. They need a run game. They need a run game. You can't line up against Baltimore consistently or any good defense, and Baltimore's is great. You can't line up and just say, we'll just throw it every single down and put that kind of pressure on your quarterback. You're not going to beat Baltimore that way. I thought it was going to be the Texans and the Jacksonville Jaguars for the next few years, and I thought they were on a collision course, and that was going to be the new, that was going to be the new Manning v. Brady. And Houston has done their part, but Baltimore is too good right now and probably too good for another year or two.
the Texans have to add some pieces to close that gap. Surely, as good as 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 much as they were hanging around. I mean, what what did they score on offense? Seven points. That's it. As much as they were hanging around, doing all they could to scratch out points, they were the game was going to get away from them. It's just they went up in class by far, and I think it's going to be that way for at least a year or two. You can't live on passing alone. There are few pieces away, good pieces away, from completely closing that gap. Overreaction. The Cowboys are hanging Mike McCarthy out to dry by not extending his contract. Yeah, he's got, a, he's got one year left on his deal. It's rare in sports that somebody would not get an extension. You went 12-5, and five, blah, blah, blah. We all know that. So they must, they're hanging him out to dry. Reality. Are you kidding? Are you kidding? What difference does it make? He should have been fired already. What difference does it make if he's lame duck or not? I don't understand this argument for some reason been going on over the weekend. Why Dallas needed to announce that they're not going to extend him, I don't know. I guess Jerry Jones felt like he had to answer critics in some capacity and say, hey, look, I'm doing something. I'm not giving him a new contract. Well, shut up, old man. Why, why is he even employed right now? It's silly. He should be a lame duck. He shouldn't even be a lame duck coach. He should have been a fired coach. But it doesn't make any difference that he's lame duck. I don't understand this argument. Why would Jerry Jones, if he's not going to fire him, he should have, but if he's not going to fire him, what's the point in extending his contract? Or what? Or what? Is anyone really going to try to argue that Mike McCarthy should demand a contract extension? If you say yes, I'm going to ask you again. Or what, mumbling Mike? What are you going to do? You're going to get hired somewhere else? Is that so? Knock yourself out, man. It's silly. It's a it's a pointless argument. It's a pointless exercise. It doesn't matter. So what if the guy's haunted every single week by reporters asking, "Will you think you're going to get fired after every loss?" Too bad. Too bad. It's dumb to even give him another year. It would be shockingly stupid to give him an extension. That said, I want you to consider the NFC East right now. The NFC East has no coach in Washington. Brian Dayball in New York, who came close to getting fired. And then two guys that should have been whacked already. Mike McCarthy and the crazy one, Nick Sirianni. Uh, I don't know what this... This is an amazingly incompetent NFC East group. And it's a really amazingly incompetent rivalry between the Eagles and the Cowboys. So you got both guys should have been fired. Nick Sirianni, I don't even know if he's going to get fired anymore. His team went on an epic collapse, and it looks like he might even keep his job, which is bizarre. But think about that. <laughs> You're going to have Mike McCarthy, who is, should have been whacked anyway on borrowed time. Nick Sirianni, who shouldn't have been able to get back on the plane after their last game, somehow looks like he might survive. And every day that goes by, it looks more like Nick Sirianni, the coach of the Eagles, is going to keep his job, which is just weird on every level. It was weird that Mumbling Mike got his back. It's really weird that Nick Sirianni is going to be coaching again. But what? I mean, that's like having that old division now. NFC East is like a Shula, Belichick, and Lombardi, and Landry, all in one, all in one division, all in one conference. 
the greatest coaching minds of all time, all stockpiled in the NFC East. Jeff Ward, weekdays on 102.7 ESPN. Jeff Ward Show. All right, I'm going to set this up. Wow, let's see. How can I say it's? You, you, I can give some hints. I'm going to set up this soundbite with with a few hints, and then you're going to guess. <laughs> then you're going to guess the sport and the location. And I'm being generous. Okay, you know, there's been phenoms. Overtime. Tiger Woods was a was a young phenom in his sport. Um, help me out here. I don't know. It's uh, young phenom. Uh, let's see. There's been uh, teenage soccer players that have made it big. This dude is, I believe, he's 16, and he looks 35. But. I think when I tell you he looks 35, it's because of the sport he's involved in. I think you have to look 35 if you're involved in this particular sport. So guess now. (laughs) Pay close attention to the crowd. Pay very close attention to his nickname. This is just a different level he has to achieve. Yeah, it is. Well, I think he might be up to it, man. I'll make you right. This could be really, really good. Nathan Asper, look, they're the same management same. I think Nathan did play Luke back when he was 11 or 12. And even then, Nathan said I was in a real tough game. But this is unbelievable from Luke Licker. Back-to-back 180s to start the match. They're supposed to be friends and he's tearing into him. This would be. Oh, it's on. It's on. And the first leg of the match. The nuke. Did you get that? What sport? Go. What sport is Luke the nuke, who's 16, fat, has a receding hairline, and is smoking? You know, because the entire audience is fat and smoking. Oh, and drinking a lot. Luke the nuke. I love the setup. The two of them were competitors when they were 11. Wait. First of all, he can't even be in a bar, can he? Why is he allowed in there? You have to card him? It's darts. And the Brits love their darts. Of course they do, right? It's sort of like, uh, what is it, curling? You know, the Canadians, they smoke and drink when they curl. It's, uh, yeah, it's the it's the ultimate drunk, out-of-shape sport. But... Luke the Nuke is the 16-year-old dart phenom 
who, uh, I don't know, he gives, I mean, it was, I guess, impressive. I don't know. And if you play any darts at all, I mean, he hit the, I don't know if it's the greatest. Listen to the crowd. What he hits. I love how they have the, the dartboard mic'd so you can hear it. So he drops three in a row right into one of those tiny little slots. I guess it's pretty cool. But he's not that far away. Listen to the crowd when Luke the Nuke hits that trifecta. This could be really, really good. Nathan Asper, look, they're the same management team. I think Nathan did play Luke back when he was 11 or 12. And even then, Nathan said I was in a real tough game. But this is unbelievable from Luke Lickler. Back-to-back 180s to start the match. The crowd is hammered. Smoking and cheering on Luke the Nuke. They were competitors with their 11. Who looked the kids in the bar? Who let Luke, Luke the Nuke into the bar? What does he look like, Jeff? What do you mean? What do you think? What do you think? What do you, <laughs> he's fat. Luke the Nuke. And he's got, it's like, uh, I don't know what the, I guess those are dart jerseys or something like that. They look like bo- those old bowling shirts. That's what they look like. That's what Luke the Nuke is wearing. It's not a tank top. It's uh, it's a full shirt. That crowd is... I don't even know how many people they've packed into that bar for the championship. All right, speaking of which, this is my other favorite competitor. My, I, In fact, I think I like this guy. You can choose between the two of them, which is your favorite competitor, your favorite sort of champion from the weekend, Luke the Nuke, or... Our man. I love this guy. I want to see more of this. It's Uncle Chen. Jeff, who's Uncle Chen? Well, Uncle Chen. Now, you know something about, um, any of you know anything about marathons. At any point in your life or anyone that does a sub-four-hour marathon is good. It is. I'm not saying it's world-class. I'm just saying it's really good. I want you to meet... Uncle Chen. Uncle Chen reminds me of, well, he reminds me a little bit of Luke the Nuke. Problem is, Uncle Chen, who just posted a three-hour and 33-minute marathon, he's 52 years old, ran a three-hour, 33-minute marathon. I don't think that's his personal best, but it's close. It's still good. I mean, you're 52, you're any age, and you're doing a three-hour, 33-minute marathon you're good, and you are fit. Uh, he's done a few of those now. He's gone sub four hours many, many times. The problem is Uncle Chen, that's his name, they disqualified him. Jeff, did he cut across and cheat, cut off some mileage? He did not. Did he trip somebody? He did not. Did he start early? Nope, Uncle Chen did not. He ran the race just like everyone else. He has been disqualified because he smokes. <laughs> he smokes throughout the marathon. <laughs> he chain smokes the entire time. And I love it. Yeah. It says uh, Uncle Chen 
That's not his full name, but that's what they call him, Uncle Chen. He's 52 years old. He has been disqualified from a marathon after he chain-smoked his way through the 26-mile race. And yes, there's a picture of Uncle Chen, and yes, he's got a cig in his mouth. The man, known as Uncle Chen, completed the Zamin Marathon in three hours and 33 minutes, but was disqualified for violating the... You ready for it, everyone? First of all, running sub-four hours is great. Smoking and running (laughs) sub-four hours is epic. It's epic. And there's not like one or two cigs to start, like he has to throw it out there at the start. No, no, Uncle Chen is busted out the cigs the entire time. (laughs) I love him. You know what I think? I think if you can smoke your way through a marathon, I think every cigarette you smoke, you should have a minute deducted from your time. So Uncle Chen may have done it in two hours. He may be the world champion at this point. He should... You should be applauded for chain smoking and running a marathon. You should be taken, minutes should be taken off, each sig. Yeah, they're unfiltered. Of course they're unfiltered. That's what Uncle Chen does. All right, here's, the, here's where they got him, though. He didn't know because he thought the rule, nowhere in the rules did it specifically say no chain smoking. It didn't say that anywhere. Uh, It's reported the runner fell afoul of a new rule against uncivilized behavior. Okay, now what is spelled out for the marathon in uncivilized behavior? You ready? It prohibits open defecation, trampling on flowers, beds, or green spaces, and smoking. Damn it. Damn it. He placed 574th out of 1,500 runners. Man, that's a fast race. Good gosh. He finished that race. uh, No, he finished his best time, by the way, three hours and 28 minutes. And he smokes in every single marathon he has done, except now they've passed a rule that Uncle Chen, or any of you, any of you, can't step on the flowers. You can't start peeing everywhere, and you cannot chain smoke or you're out. Jeff Ward, weekdays on 102.7 ESPN. Subscribe to the Jeff Ward Show podcast or the aliens are going to come and get you. On 102.7 ESPN. Now back to the Jeff Ward Show. Here was a message to everyone associated with the Dallas Cowboys. I, I didn't think we would go so far as to say that includes the cheerleaders, but yeah, it includes the cheerleaders. Shut up. Stop talking, all of you. Just shut up. Give it at least a month. Shut your face. Got it? I mean, even the owner, who never shuts his plastic face, has... Shut his face. I didn't know the star defensive end who had all of two tackles when they got blown out at home. I didn't know he would be popping off the way he is. And I certainly didn't count on the cheerleaders talking trash or talking trash about people talking trash. Just shut up over there. Somebody shouldn't have to tell you. We're a mess right now. We, uh, we blew it. 
And yeah, I'm going to lump the cheerleaders in there as well because they're such an important part of the game. But you blew it, so why don't you just be quiet at least through the Super Bowl? Certainly while, you know what you shouldn't do? You shouldn't be talking while the team that just boat raced you at home is still playing, okay? Just shut up because they were still playing. In fact, they probably should have won against San Francisco. Stop talking. First up, Micah Parsons. <sighs> hey, man, you've underachieved. Um, you, you have. You, you've virtually disappeared in the last few weeks. You had two tackles against the Green Bay Packers. Shut up. You complained about the referees nonstop. And that's fine. You can complain about the referees when you're producing. You can complain about the referees when your team is getting the number two seed in the, in the NFL tournament. You can, you can, because things look good. You have some credibility at that point. But once you've been busted wide open by the Green Bay Packers at home, you can't whine anymore. Stop whining. Great talent. Hardworking dude, from what I can tell, and he's pretty good on his podcast. He's pretty entertaining. He's outspoken. I'm fine with it. It's just you got to know when to shut up so you don't look so bad. Apparently, he didn't get the message. When your owner, who never shuts up, has disappeared over a couple of days, that should be a sign that you, too, need to be quiet about right now. What's he doing? What's he doing? Oh, no one, you know, he's doing the thing he does. No one gives us credit. No, you don't deserve any credit, man. You had two tackles, and you got crushed by the seven-seed at home. You don't deserve the benefit of the doubt. You need to shut up. He does just the opposite. In fact, word out of Dallas is that everybody is, like, going at it now. A Dallas Cowboys linebacker Micah Parsons ripped Skip Bayless for the low blow he delivered on Twitter following the team's embarrassing playoff loss to the Packers. So Skip Bayless, who does a show for Fox on the show, you know, he was a Dallas columnist, did a radio show in Dallas for a long time. And so his position he's taken, because it's kind of a thing now in talk shows, is, you know, one of the hosts should have a team and they cheer up for the team and they fight about the team, right? And so his thing is he's a big cheerleader on air about the Cowboys. And he tweeted out, <laughs> I think it was pretty well done. He tweeted out, can't wait for Micah Parsons' podcast tomorrow. That's what he does best. <laughs> well played. Well played. He's exactly right. Micah Parsons, being the insensitive jackass that he's become, of course, went crazy over what was a perfectly reasonable dig. Hey, bud, you haven't been doing anything, man. You had two tackles against the Packers. I don't even know. I don't remember the two tackles. So Skip Bayless tweets that out, which was funny, I thought, and it was well-deserved, and it was timely. And then, oh, there goes Micah Parsons. Oh, look out. So um, Bayless also said, I'm done with these gutless, heartless playoff frauds. Again, is that really that unreasonable too? I don't think so. So here comes Micah Parsons. You just hating ass MF who mad I ain't want to do your show. Where was all of this when you were on my blanks wanting me to come on your show every Tuesday? 
You lame as blank, skip, real blank, fake-ass Cowboys fan. Shut up, Micah. You've got to shut up, young man. It's a bad look. If you were still playing, sure, you're not. Stop talking. What you do is you go on your podcast, uh, and you own it. You go on your podcast, and you say, hey, look, I get it. People are ripping us. I guess we deserve it. Got to fix it. The only way to fix it is to win. The only way to fix it is to win. So his comment, can't wait to hear Micah Parsons' podcast. It's the best thing. he. Do- it's what he does best. Is perfect. He was perfect. He was spot on. You need to shut up. Apparently, the Cowboys cheerleaders are upset, too. <laughs> Oh, boy. So now, um, it's weird. Just when the owner who never stops talking stops talking, everyone else has gone crazy. I mean, tomorrow we're going to have to talk about, is it CeeDee Lamb's brother that went nuts on Twitter, on Dak Prescott's brother? Like, everyone's fighting. (laughs) And so now they're saying we want CeeDee Lamb out of there. And, uh, yeah, it's going well. It's really going well. But not to be outdone... The cheerleaders are upset. Here's the headline. Cowboys cheerleader blasts Green Bay Packers for, quote, unsportsmanlike conduct. She goes to TikTok. Yeah, 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 she spray tanned. She goes to TikTok to complain about how she's been treated. So I cheer for the Cowboys, and y'all, the Cowboys versus Packers game last Sunday, I have never experienced such disrespect from the other team's players to the cheerleaders in my five years as an NFL cheerleader. Like, we would literally be minding our own business and the Packers just scored a touchdown. This is one example. They would come up to us, standing on the sevens, minding our own business, and start yelling at us. Like, sometimes it was this close to our face. Also, I feel like that's unsportsmanlike conduct and it's so crazy how they can do that. They can't do that to the Cowboys players or any other players, but they can do it to the cheerleaders and nothing's gonna happen. Like, I understand the playoffs is a huge deal. Like, I truly get it, but that does not mean your humbleness and respect for women flies out the window. Like, what is going on? I can't. So I'm rooting for every team but them, now that the Cowboys are out. What are you talking about? Seriously, what are you talking about? Um, hmm. So they disrespect the cheerleaders. Does that only happen when you lose at home? Is that the way that works? So she thinks the only trash talking done by players is not between players. The trash talking is done to the upstanding citizens who are cheerleaders for the Dallas Cowboys. That she thinks it should be a penalty. And then just for saying... That is your favorite Cowboys cheerleader, Darian Lassiter. Um, she went to TikTok. I think she ha- had a few of these TikToks. And you just heard, she says, you know, she's never felt disrespect from the other team's players to cheerleaders. She's been a cheerleader for five years. Um, they, they would come up and up to us standing on the sidelines, minding our own business and start yelling at us. Does anybody really think that NFL players spend their time yelling at cheerleaders, really? <laughs> the seventh seed in the playoffs 
is pulling off the biggest upset in the playoffs by far. And we think that their energy is spent on yelling at the Cowboys cheerleaders. Okay. Um, she's not yet named which particular players, but apparently in a tweet in a TikTok after that, she said, I guess to build up the drama of this whole thing, like anyone really cares. She says that she's going to out the numbers of the players that were being disrespectful to the cheerleaders. Make sure you check out the Jeff Ward Show podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Pass the ball to the Jeff Ward Show on 102.7 ESPN. Now back to the Jeff Ward Show. Man, I was expecting uh, some creativity with the uh, chain-smoking marathoner. What's what's up? You're letting me down, everyone. Then I, I thought some creativity with a 16-year-old darts champion named Luke the Nuke. Again, you're letting me down. You did not, did not let me down on the cheerleader who says they're being disrespected. Here you go. This is uh, Ghost in the Machine at Jeff Ward Show. Like, there should be a, like, legitimate unsportsmanlike penalty on any team that hurls, like, hurtful remarks at, like, the opposing team's cheerleaders, like, crew. We must protect the Dakotas of the, like, NFL. Yeah. I think it's usually, like, y'all. At Jeff Ford Show, J49321268. I've gone back and forth on social media with people making excuses for Todd Bowles not taking a timeout. They say the Bucks basically gave up by not playing defense on the final plays, which is why the Lions didn't run play clock down all the way before snapping. Seems silly on both parts. <sighs> yeah, agreed. Um, here's a take on... Detroit is, first of all, Jared Goff. Is he the hottest quarterback in the playoffs now? I mean, you're going to say Mahomes, I know. Um, man, it's a ridiculously good quarterback play left. Ridiculously good. Jared Goff was lights out. Baker Mayfield was lights out. Made him one mistake. Patrick Mahomes was, ridic- was lights out. Lamar Jackson lights out but you know who wasn't lights out Brock Purdy except for the final drive Detroit if Debo Samuel plays and they give Purdy time I think that Detroit secondary can be had here's the issue you may not get time because the front of Detroit is out of this world here's the other thing on the offensive side you don't get to Jared Goff He's going to torch San Francisco. They're going to run it on you because they're ridiculously good in the offensive line. Might be the best offensive line left in the tournament. Final four teams, Detroit's offensive line is that good. Detroit's got an issue in the secondary. They do. But they make up for it by beating you down on offense. I think it's a really, really interesting game. And if I had to pick right now and there's no Debo Samuel, I might take Detroit. And I think can you know look can what Kansas City did, and it's not Josh Allen's fault in Buffalo. He played really well. He played really well. They bet you know like that. Everything is on him. And when Kansas City needs to show up and play almost perfect, guess what they do? They don't drop the ball. They don't get penalties. They don't give up a sack. 
I think their time runs out with, with Baltimore, though. Baltimore's another class. It's the best defense by far. Two really good defenses, Kansas City and Baltimore, but Baltimore's is better. Kicking is better for Baltimore. Um, think how close we were, everyone. <laughs> think how close. We were close to having a Tampa Bay, I mean, a Green Bay win. And what if there had been a Tampa Bay win? Because I thought at one point, I thought, oh my gosh. You know, first of all, Green Bay should have won. They should have won. I'm thoroughly impressed with Green Bay. All right, here we go on Twitter. At, at Jeff Ward Show. At Jesso Cook. Jeff, if you are the kicker for the Buffalo Bills, you're probably not getting ready for work today. Well, you're not getting work today because the season's over. So you're not working. I don't think they'll cut him. He had a really good year. And Sean McDermott was a special teams coach. So take it from someone who's been fired in that job plenty of times. You know, that that's one if a guy's had a good year. I know, I know it's I know it was a killer. I know. It was. Although I still think Patrick Mahomes, even with a make to tie it up at 27, I think Patrick Mahomes takes his team down for a field goal. I don't think anyone it's Brady-like. I don't think anyone in the stadium, anyone watching on TV, had Buffalo tied it up at 27, a minute 49 left. I think they had one or two timeouts. There's no one that is thinking oh yeah, watch this. But the kick itself was I mean it was well hit. The wind just blew it out. Blew it out. I missed one time. Horrible miss. Same kind of conditions. Huge crosswind. So I'm, you know, I have this, I used to have this strategy of lining up my stuff beyond the uprights, like signs or numbers on a scoreboard or something like that. Hit it perfectly. Hit it perfectly, thinking the wind would bring it back and the wind didn't do anything and it just held true and I missed. Thought, you idiot. Oh, by the way, here's the, here's the kick. Well, I mean, I can't believe he screamed wide right. And he will. 44 yards pass. No, he doesn't make it. Wide right. Wow. The two most dreaded words in Buffalo. It's so bad. It's brutal. It's, it's a well-played game. I, I can't I can't rip the Bills. I can't even rip that kick. It honestly was just a really bad break. It's and I'm it's a bad break because it was a gust of wind. If you look at the flags in that moment, they are dead sideways. And I know people are going to say, well, the guy practices there all the time. I get it. I get it. It was not a terrible miss. It was well struck. Oh, that's brutal. They played, in many ways, I think the Bills played well enough to win. Josh Allen certainly did. It's just, you know, what a time to think how good the quarterback play is only to be outdone again by Patrick Mahomes. He's playing in his sixth consecutive championship game. It's ridiculous. And everyone around him played lights out. Uh, I'm, that, that game, what, what he can do against that Baltimore D, or can't do, is going to be fascinating. That is set up to be a really cool game. All right, on Twitter, X, or what it's called. Um, a lot of people enjoyed my tweet about uh, 
I called I called Ron DeSantis, who bailed out over the weekend. He's Ted Cruz 2.0. Make sure you check out the Jeff Ward Show podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.